This is The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins of Grace Calvary Chapel. Is Jesus worth more to me than the things I value the most? And if he is, is there an active surrender going on in my life? A surrender that is worshipful in its nature. Well, the second question I'm prompted to ask is found in verses four and five. And that is, is Jesus worth more than the opinions of other people? How much is Jesus worth to you? Where does he stand in your scale of desires and treasures? Jesus once told a parable that describes how precious it really is to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's about a man who found a hidden treasure in a field, hid it, and sold all that he had so that he could buy that field. Today, Pastor Josh will show you what Jesus and this treasure have in common, how Jesus is worth so much more than anything else in all the world, that any loss can be endured with joy. Now, here's Pastor Josh in the book of John chapter 12, as he begins his message, Wasted Worship. I think we live in a world that is certainly value-based, right? We live in a culture where we have extra value meals. I remember when McDonald's first came out with extra value meals. You know, you can get a little more for a little less. My mom used to take us to McDonald's on Tuesdays as a kid because then we could get 25-cent hamburgers and, uh, you know, good value. And we have the Dollar General store, right? Go Dollar General, get a good value, get some treats for the movie night. But people don't just like good values, they also value things that are good, at least the things that they define as good. And everyone defines and attributes value to things, and what you attribute value and worth to is called a value system, and everyone has one. Everyone has a value system where they prioritize investment and time and money and resources and effort because there are certain things that matter to them, that they value. And value is based on a lot of different properties. I remember when we were moving from Northern California, uh, right before we moved, there were some friends of ours who moved to Africa to do some mission work. And so they were clearing out their house. And they gave us a call and said, oh, we got some bikes for the kids, and we want you guys just to come, see if there's anything you want. We got to get rid of everything. And so we went over to their house, and we were glancing around. And I went to the garage, and the man, he collected baseball cards. So he had literally a whole basement full, walls full of stacks of boxes of baseball cards. Now, that's kind of cool. You know, I collected baseball cards when I was younger, and I realized I probably shouldn't take these and line them up in my garage. <laughs> um, that wouldn't probably go over so well. And so I just saw this little shoebox sitting there. And he said, take, just take whatever you want. I can't keep it. It's all got to go. So I grabbed the shoebox. He said, yeah, just take it. Some, someone gave that to me. I don't even know what's in half of these boxes. So I took it home and kind of just threw it in the car and got home. And oh, I guess I opened up the box. And right on the very top, I saw Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, Joe DiMaggio, on and on the list went. And the cards were in these thick cases and, you know, in these boxes. And I'm thinking, the value of this little cardboard box just increased in my mind. I was all careful with it now, and I don't want to bend any cards. I'm stacking them up all nice. And 
But, you know, it doesn't even have to be monetary value when that makes something valuable to someone. I remember when I cleared out my garage to take stuff to Goodwill and I, I grabbed that $5 garage sale special pogo stick that I bought and just threw it in the truck and took it to the Goodwill and came home to a, I had a nine or 10-year-old daughter at the time, almost in tears that I took her greatest treasured, you know, toy away <laughs> from her. And uh, not to mention the time where I accidentally took my wife's $200 snow jacket and a bag full of family snow clothes um, to the Goodwill accidentally. Uh, we won't go there. <laughs> Let's just say I spent a lot of time at the Goodwill for the next couple weeks to no avail. But would you agree with me, when it comes to the things we value, here's a principle that I think applies to everyone. Whether you value this over that or don't value that, but value this. It's true that the more valuable something becomes, the more difficult it is to give it up. Yes or no? Yes. The more valuable something becomes on your system of value and worth, the more difficult it is to give it up. And typically, the only time you see someone giving up something that is very valuable to them is when they found something that is what? More valuable to give it for. In fact, Jesus taught about this on several occasions. I won't go into great detail, but in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives two parables of the kingdom. And here's what he says. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And a man found it and hid for the joy, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, we could do a whole sermon on this, but for the sake of this message, here's what I want to point you towards. Is that in these two parables, the treasure in the field and the pearl of great price were more valuable to the finder than everything else they possessed, to the point that they spent their greatest treasure to purchase for themselves a hidden and more valuable treasure. And I want you to think for a moment, what did the people who watched them from the outside think about what they were doing? All right, if you're a person and you don't know about the treasure that's hidden in the field, and you don't know about the pearl of great price, and you just see someone selling everything they have to buy a field... You kind of go, man, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It seems out of proportion. Well, today, I want to go through the story that we just read in the Bible. Someone who sacrifices their greatest treasure because they found a treasure that was even more valuable, more worthy, and that was Jesus Christ. The title of this morning's message is a question entitled, Wasted Worship, Wasted Worship. We start our story off in Bethany, where Jesus was a regular in the house of his friends. It is now a week out from his march through Jerusalem with a cross on his back up to Mount Calvary, where he will be not only crucified, but crucified while enduring the weight of the sin of mankind upon his shoulders. And here he is at a meal that was prepared in his honor. 
His disciples are there. Mary and Martha are there. We're told that Lazarus 2.0 is there, right? He died. He came back to life. He's the talk of the town. Lazarus is there. And there's probably others that have been following Jesus. And the tone of the meal is one certainly of excitement. Ministry has been going well. Jesus' popularity is growing. People are, miracles are taking place. There's a recognition that this is someone special. And so there's almost a celebratory feeling in the room. Not many people in the room, I would, in fact, I would argue none of the people in the room but one, apart from Jesus, recognized the weight of the week that they were in that this was certainly a week leading to victory, but not the victory of Jesus being crowned king on the mountain of Jerusalem, but rather conquering death and hell and bearing the sins of mankind on his shoulder as he suffered and died on a cross. And they made him a supper, and we have a familiar scene as well. Martha served. We'll see another story where you remember Mary and Martha were together with Jesus, and Martha was serving. She She's just one of those doers. She loves to do. And here we find a story of a woman who gives her most greatest treasure to her greater treasure, Jesus. And this story is all about worship. When I say worship, I don't want you to think merely in terms of the songs we sing before we have preaching. Well, that's part of it. This is a song about worship. Interestingly enough, The word worship in the Old English is a combination of two words, a compound word, of worth and ship, right? We have friendship, companionship, kinship, worth-ship. Worship is to attribute worth or to attribute value to something. In other words, we worship the things that are worth the most to us. And this is a story about what is worth the most to us. And in a devotional type of way, I want to ask you, challenge us all, with four questions from the text. Four questions from the text regarding our worship to Jesus. If you're taking notes, jot down the first question. First question we find coming from verse 3. Is Jesus worth more than what I value the most? Is Jesus worth more to me than what I value the most? Look at verse 3 with me again. We read, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. So it was a lot. It was worth a lot. And she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. This oil, this spikenard oil, right? It was a very rare essential oil that came from the Himalayan mountains and the region of India. So it's not like it was in common supply there in Jerusalem. This was most likely a treasure that was collected over maybe even more than her own lifetime, perhaps even her parents' lifetime, stored up in a sealed jar that would most likely be Mary's, as a single Jewish woman, her dowry in that system, that she would bring to her husband in regards to The worth of it, later we learn, according to Judas, that this amount of spikenard, this pound of kasu oil, was worth 300 denarii, or in layman's terms, one year's annual salary for a a, a worker, a laborer. 
Maybe today we might say $45,000, $50,000. But to her, to a single Jewish woman who didn't have a husband, this was by far the greatest treasure she had. I mean, think of your value, your, your bank accounts, your retirement, your properties, everything you have. To Mary, this was that. This was the greatest treasure that she had, saved for the day of her wedding. And the lavish way she spends it, all on Jesus, goes against all human logic, right? This isn't necessarily what they would teach you in Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Just, just waste it all on Jesus. And here's the thing about oil. I love it. My wife has the uh, oil, essential oil diffusers, right? And all it takes is, is just two drops, two drops of that stuff, and your whole house smells like stuff. I mean, all sorts of interesting stuff. Good stuff. I love it. I mean, it's like, turn that thing on. I love that stuff. Two drops, man. It fixes everything. Put it up your spine. Put it on your feet. It's just it's good stuff. And here, I mean, you can get this kind of oil even today. This oil, this specific perfume type of fragrant oil was not designed. There was no task that would require all of it at once. It was, be, it was designed to be used in moderation and small amounts for special things. And here, Mary takes a whole pound of it, probably the whole of it, and she pours it, douses Jesus' feet and her hair with it, and begins to Worship and praise and express love towards Christ with this treasure that she has. And here's what strikes me about the response of Jesus. It is, it is what Jesus doesn't say that gets me thinking. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, Mary, stop. It's too much. Save some for yourself. No, that's what, that's what everyone else is thinking. They're thinking, this is crazy. This is a, a waste. There is a better use of those resources than on the feet of Jesus. But Jesus is smiling. And he's allowing her to express this extravagant gift of love that she is lavishing upon him. And here's what I learn about true worship. True worship occurs, listen, when the object of our sacrifice is more valuable to us than the sacrifice itself. That is, the one we are giving to becomes worth more to us than the thing that we are giving away. That is when true worship happens. Worship is not a duty, it is not an obligation. It is not I have to give myself and give my life and give my time and give my stuff to Jesus because I have to. And maybe if I do, I'll impress him or I'll earn something. No, worship is a response when you see something so much more valuable, so much more worthy, so much greater than everything you have that you say, what can I give? I'd be worthy of this king. This is why viewing every act 
as an act of worship to Christ first will make it less burdensome. As a husband, I should be serving my wife and loving my children and standing up and, and being sacrificial in my love. But I need to see that not a duty, but an act of worship to Christ. There is a reason why Paul wrote several different occasions. 1 Corinthians 10, Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, if you're eating or you're drinking, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What's he saying? He's saying don't compartmentalize your worship. This is the part that's for Jesus when I go to church, and then this is the part that's for me, and then this is the part. No, it's all God's, everything. It's all Jesus. It's all an opportunity to express my life. As Paul would say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your very bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable act of worship, giving of ourselves entirely. Even when we worship corporately, I think this can be a reality. What do we value the most in our time that we get to sing and express our hearts to God, our pride, our dignity? Or do we see it as a time where we get to pour out our hearts and our lives and our songs, declaring his worth, declaring his value? Paul would even say to the Philippians in Philippians 2.17, he says, Yes, if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice of you all. He saw his life as that offering. But that's the first question that Mary prompts me to ask. Is Jesus worth more to me than the things I value the most? And if he is, is there an active surrender going on in my life? A surrender that is worshipful in its nature. Well, the second question I'm prompted to ask is found in verses 4 and 5. And that is, is Jesus worth more than the opinions of other people? Is Jesus worth more than the opinions of other people? We read the criticism that comes forth in verses 4 and 5. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? In Mark's gospel, we learn that not only did Judas say this out loud on purpose to try to intimidate and embarrass Mary for her act, but his words got the other disciples talking too. So imagine being... And I know it's hard to put yourself in this spot because, of course, Jesus brought complete liberation to women in a culture that was very oppressive towards them. But you have a room full of men, and you have Mary and Martha who is serving, and she's already putting herself out there to do this act that no one else would understand except for Jesus. She's already putting herself on the line and then right in the middle of it, the holy spiritual guys over here who are Jesus' disciples start criticizing her in front of everyone. Would have been enough to make anyone get up and run out of the room in tears, completely embarrassed and ashamed. And yet, Mary is unfazed. She's unmoved. It's almost as if the presence of Jesus is so beautiful and so wonderful, and so special, that it blocks out all of the opinions of other people. 
She was not distracted by the discomfort that her act of worship was causing the others around her. And I think even perhaps the criticism from others, and we're going to learn Judas's motive in a moment, but the other disciples possibly were actually criticizing Mary, not out of a place of logic, but out of a place of conviction. Man, I've never worshipped Jesus like that. I've never given Jesus anything that valuable. And it's amazing sometimes what conviction will do to people. It'll either cause them to humble themselves or it will cause them to criticize the people that are the worshipers. As we spoke about, this was not Mary's first time being criticized for her worship decisions. In Luke chapter 10, we read that Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus is always defending Mary's decision to worship He's always defending Mary's decision to prioritize him above everyone else. He doesn't apologize for it. In fact, he challenges the other people who are criticizing the value and the worth of what she's doing. She says, no, she has chosen the right thing. You guys are all about your religious duties and all about your good works and all about your service, but Mary cares and understands that none of that really matters. There's no real relationship. If there's no real worship going on, I wonder how many might be challenged in here. I know that it's a trap I fall into frequently. Hearing the prompting of the Holy Spirit, reading the Word of God, which clearly defines to me His will and what He calls me to and what He asks of me. And my first thought is either, what's it going to cost me? kind of need to make my decision based on what it's going to cost me. Or, what will so-and-so think? And what will they say? And this is where I think I love what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1. He says, Do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. There are times when following Jesus requires to let go of what everyone else thinks about it and care more about what he thinks about it. Of course, we should always honor and respect others. Of course, we should seek wise counsel. I'm not talking about those types of things. I'm talking about when we have clear directive from the word of God, from the truth, we need to boldly stand in it regardless of what the others around us are saying, whether it be out of their own conviction or their own criticism or their own internal motives. Third question that this story brings to mind Is Jesus worth more than the enemy's lies? Is Jesus worth more than the enemy's lies? Talked about this last week a little bit, that Satan is a liar from the beginning. He lies because he is the father of lies. He lies out of his own resources. He is a constant liar. And here Judas, the one who will betray Jesus, pipes up in the middle of this incident with an objection that seemed reasonable to everyone in the room. You've just been listening to another edition of The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins. If this is the first time you've tuned in to this broadcast, we want you to know that we're a ministry based out of Grace Calvary in St. Joseph, Missouri. 
this radio program wouldn't be possible without our faithful listener support. We love to hear that our listeners are praying for this ministry and are grateful for those who feel led to give financially as well. Would you consider giving to this ministry? If so, simply go to theascendinglife.com, find the About tab, click on Grace Calvary, and then look for the Give link at the top of the page. If you're interested in getting to know us a little better, you'll be able to access more information about our church as well. Theascendinglife.com is where you need to go. You can watch us online via Facebook. Just search for Grace Calvary Chapel. Going back to our website, you can listen to a variety of teachings that Pastor Josh has given, as well as find a way to submit a prayer request. That's all at theascendinglife.com. We look forward to hearing from you. We trust that this message has met you right where you are and that God will use it to awaken you to the love, truth, and power of God. May you go about the rest of the day with that at the forefront of your mind. From all of us here on the production team, thank you for listening. We hope you'll come back again for another broadcast of The Ascending Life. Reaching up, we're pressing in.